This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. Congratulations. Felicidades. Mazel tov. You've all made it to another Lent. Congratulations. You made it. This one, maybe this is your first one. Maybe you came from a church or you didn't come from a church and you've never experienced Lent. Maybe this is your 80th Lent. Well, whatever, you're here, and together we are on our Lenten journey. We actually began Ash Wednesday, but we're continuing this Sunday, this wonderful time of joining Jesus in the desert, this wonderful time of self-denial, this wonderful time of giving up and letting go, this wonderful time of practicing what Christians call spiritual disciplines, those habits that um, are sometimes hard, but they help us grow closer to Jesus, and we press into those. Now, I want to tell you, first of all, spiritual disciplines are not that hard to understand. So, for instance, take fasting, for instance. How hard is that? Here's fasting. Here's my definition of fasting. You don't eat, okay? So you don't eat for a meal. You don't eat for a day. You don't eat. Maybe you don't eat meat. Maybe you don't eat sweets. Uh, you know, you decide your own fasting regimen, but it's not that hard to understand. But once you start practicing it, you realize it's hard. So for instance, when I don't eat, I get hungry. When I get hungry, I get crabby. When I get crabby, I want food, like now. So I will be driving on my way home, and all of a sudden, I'll be noticing dozens of fast food restaurants. I hate fast food, but even in those days, Taco Bell even looks good, you know? Where you can get 3,000 calories for under 20 bucks still, and where everything on the menu tastes and looks and smells exactly the same, but even that looks good. Always good. I'm sorry if I've offended some of you already, but it's... It's just the truth, okay? So um, I want my needs met my way on my timetable. That's what I face when I press into spiritual discipline. So in Lent, we sign up. We voluntarily sign up. I'm going to test myself. I'm going to put some tests upon myself. And as a church, we decide we're going to do some things together. It's not just fasting. It could be generosity with our money. It could be something with our time. And we find out in that test that we're not as mature as we saw, thought we were. We have a long way to go. Well, this morning, I want to tell you that's a good thing. You want that. You want to be tested. You want to find out where your weaknesses are. You want to find out where you want to grow. So in Lent, we do this crazy thing, and we say, okay, God, it's a limited time offer, but bring it on. 40 days. It's short. It'll be over in a flash. Bring it on, though, Lord. Uh, Psalm 139 has this beautiful little prayer at the end, which, by the way, we're focusing on our Lenten theme is let us pray. And so this is a great prayer to add to your Lenten, uh, your Lenten rhythm. So Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. The Hebrew word there for try is examine me, investigate me, prove me, test me. See if there be any hurtful way in me, this almost goes on, and, and lead me in the way everlasting. So in the gospel reading, we're going to see that Jesus is not only tempted, but he's also tested. It's both, and there's a difference between the two, and which we'll get to in just a minute. But we want tests because they do three things for us. God wants to do three things with us, in us, through, our, through tests. 
His tests are always an opportunity for three things, to reveal, to strengthen, and to prepare us. So I'm going to get to those three points, but if you're a follow-along-the-Bible kind of person, and I hope you are, but no judgment if you're not, but Mark chapter 1 um, is on page 836, and then I'd also like you to hold one finger in page 152, which is our Old Testament reading from Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8. So I'll get to those three points, but first, just notice the baptism of Jesus. So the heavens are torn open, the Spirit descends on him like a dove. In the original Greek language, that's literally descends into him. So there's this intimacy and this indwelling in the triune life of the triune God. They're not just outside each other, but they indwell each other, which is really cool, which I don't have time to explore. But um, then there's this, the Father speaks, and it, it's just so tender and so affectionate. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. And that's a whole nother sermon as well, just the affection of God the Father. And, and I pray that, that you come to experience that God is affectionate towards his son, but then towards all of us as his sons and daughters. And so, and then, so after this, after the baptism, you would think, wow, what a glorious moment that Mark covers in like, like 40 words. And then you'd think, Jesus, give that man a parade. Give him a party. Give him a cigar. Send him on a cruise. But instead, the Spirit expels him, literally the same word used to cast out a demon in the Gospel of Mark. He moves him out into the desert to be tempted by Satan. He's thrust into his vocation. So I want to say this morning that at the same time Jesus is being tempted, he's also being tested at the same time. So what does testing look like? Well, there, turn to your Old Testament reading, Deuteronomy chapter 8, because we see this theme come up a lot in the Old Testament. God tests Abraham. Um, God tests the children of Israel in Exodus 15 at a place called Marah, where it says, there the Lord tested them. And now in Deuteronomy chapter 8, it says that um, you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you, to know what was in your hearts. And then verse 16 of the same chapter, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. So what is the difference between, so we pray every Sunday, Lord, do not lead us into temptation. But when it comes to testing, we might say, like with the psalmist, test me, Lord, go ahead, bring it on, test me. What is the difference? Well, because we love you so much at Church of the Resurrection, I was racking my brain like, what is the difference, and how can I communicate that? So, so here's my best take. I have written an outline of a play, a dramatic play, a two-act play, soon to be a book deal and a movie deal probably, but it's, um, it's called Woodley Goes to the Gym, okay? So in act one of this play, I pick up some dumbbells, trainer Jesus comes over, and he goes, show me what you got. And I show him what I got, and he goes, um, not real impressive, you're a little weak, you're a little flabby, um, you're a little lazy, and I can see right into your heart, and you have really high cholesterol, so. Um, <laughs> but you know what? Hey, I'll tell you this, you stick around me, you stay with me, there's no condemnation, there's no shame, judgment-free zone, you know? I had that before Planet Fitness. 
and I'm going to transform you from one degree of glory to another. I've begun a good work in you, and I will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. That's my day, Jesus would say. I will never fail you or forsake you. You stick around me, and we're going to work together. I'll meet you here every morning, every evening. We're going to work out, and we're going to get you in shape. Act two. I pick up the dumbbells. Trainer Satan comes over, and he goes, you're weak, you're flabby, you're lazy. I've heard from good authority that you have high cholesterol, and you know why that is? Because you're a loser. That's why. Because there's no hope for you. You should be ashamed of yourself. Look at that guy over there. Are you jealous of him? Because you should be, because he's way better shaped than you are. Or look at that guy over there. I mean, that guy's really pathetic. At least you're better than him. So feel some pride in yourself. And you know what? You're alone in this. You're absolutely alone. So why don't you just go home and on the way, pick up a bag of beefy five-layer burritos at Taco John, or Taco Bell. <laughs> so you see the difference? God tests you to build you up. Satan tempts you to tear you down. God tests you to get you back on track. Satan tempts you to get you off track. Really important. And throughout the Gospels, I think especially the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is both tested entering into the story of Israel, that they were tested by the God, by the living God, and tempted, which all of us experience. So it's all of our stories. And yet, as the author of Hebrews says, he was tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. So the Spirit expels him into the desert. Satan tempts him. His enemies test him. His disciples test his patience constantly. But they poke him, they prod him, they pressure him. But the only thing that comes out of Jesus is emotions, because he's not a stoic, so he weeps, he gets angry, he feels. But everything that comes out of him is good and right and appropriate and proper and the way a human being is supposed to act if we weren't such fallen sinners. So here's the thing I think the gospel writer Mark wants us to know as he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you will be tested. Pray that you don't enter into temptation, but as for tests, tell the Lord, okay, test me. I'll even add some temptations, especially during Lent. I will add some tests, not temptations, but I will add some tests and together as a church, we'll walk through this together. So we tell the Lord, challenge me, try me, improve me, examine me. And what will happen? What are the benefits of that? Well, three things we see in Scripture. First is that when God tests us, it reveals things to us. It reveals, it strengthens, and it prepares us. First, it reveals. It reveals who we are, what we are where we are in the spiritual life. Maybe we thought we were way over here, way ahead. We're actually, we're here. Or maybe I went backwards. But it reveals things. Look at our passage from Deuteronomy, if you're there. So Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Did God not know? Well, I don't think that's the point of this, but they didn't know what God knew. They didn't know what they didn't know. And so a good way to know is 
You get tested, and then you know. It's very objective, evaluation. So four years ago, I bought a motorcycle, a beautiful sky blue Triumph Bonneville 790cc, which I still love, but I sold, so I no longer have it because I didn't want to die. But anyway, I had this motorcycle, and so I got to go take the written test. And I thought, it's 15 questions. How hard can that be? So I studied a little bit. You know, I have a master's degree in divinity. You know, it's like, this can't be that hard. I failed the test, you know? Okay. <laughs> now I know what I don't know. I need to research this. I need to actually study. They don't care if you have a master's in divinity. Apparently, there's no crossover of knowledge. So <laughs> I didn't know that. So these tests are always humbling, which is why it says three times in Deuteronomy chapter 8 that the Lord tested you to humble you. Verse 2, that he might humble you. Verse um, 3, he humbled you. Verse 16, again, that he might humble you. So when the Lord tests us, it's always to reveal, and it's humbling. It's really humbling to know what we don't know about ourselves. So, for instance, I can think, I trust the Lord. My faith is really strong. And then I face something in my life, and I feel really anxious. I'm not doing so well on the test. Or I think I'm a really loving person. And then somebody starts tailgating me, and I just, I go berserk, you know? Or I think I'm a very forgiving person. And then somebody actually hurts me. Then it's really hard. We say spiritual disciplines are, yeah, I know what those are. And then we practice them and we realize, eh, I'm not so good at this. But again, that's a good thing with the Lord. Satan wants to twist that into a bad thing. But the Lord intends it for good. So the second thing, it not only reveals, but it strengthens. So there's these beautiful images for Scripture and how the Lord, when he tests or disciplines, which is kind of a very similar concept, he wants our good. So verse 5 of Deuteronomy chapter 8, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. Skip down to verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. He wants it to go well with you. The Lord wants to strengthen you. And this, this is a theme that occurs in the book of Proverbs and then also the book of Hebrews. So Proverbs chapter 3. Very similar, chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. My son, my daughter, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves whom, him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. So because God delights in us, because he loves us, because he wants to strengthen us, he throws tests in our path and even tests that we might fail. Um, now, ultimately, he wants us to pass them. But in the short run, we might fail. So now that we know what's broken inside of us, we can ask the Lord to repair it. Now that we know where we're really weak, we can ask the Lord to strengthen us. So tests reveal, they strengthen, and they also prepare. And I think this is especially pronounced in the Gospel of Mark. So Mark chapter 13 um, so the disciples, when Mark wrote this, most scholars think that the historical context was that the church was going through some persecution, at least some, in some areas on some level, and there was experiencing some persecution. And so Mark was especially writing in his gospel with an agenda, in the best sense of that word, to prepare 
the church like, you think this is hard now? It's going to get even harder. And sometimes that's true of life, sometimes it's not, but, but the Lord wants to prepare us for harder things. So Mark chapter 13, 19 says, Days are coming when tribulation, as has not been since the beginning of creation that God created until now, is coming your way. He says that you will be hated for my name's sake. There will be wars and rumors of war. Nations will rise against nations. Does that sound familiar in our world today? There will be natural disasters and famines. And, and then Jesus says these are but the beginning of birth pains. And then there's more personal internal trials. So in Mark chapter 4, Jesus talks about, warns his disciples and us about what he calls the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things which will choke the word of God. So Jesus is saying sometimes, not always, but sometimes things get harder before they get better. And I want to prepare you for those harder times. So Lent, we carve out this season and we say, I'm going to give myself, Lord, and you give me too if you want to, I'm going to give myself some small tests, fasting, giving, more time in prayer, so that I'll be ready for bigger tests when they come. Uh, there's a guy in our church named Brent who was uh, in the Navy for 28 years, had a very important position on a Navy sub, and he, he told me this, because I had heard this, so I called him and said, hey, is this true? And he gave me back like this amazing um, knowledge about what, what happens with, with what are called sea trials. So the first time a submarine is going to go out to sea, its equipment and crew need to be tested under extraordinary pressure. So in the sea, the sea trial is a con controlled condition in which they can find problems with the submarine and fix them, repair them. So it's prepared when it really goes out to sea. So what they do is they slowly increase the ocean depth on this submarine and the sea pressure at the same time until, I would imagine, Brent didn't tell me this, but I imagine things start popping like a bolt or something, or Brent could tell you, so, or something, and you know, think you, so you see the problems. And Brent said, and I quote, sea trials and associated repairs allow the submarine to operate later with continuous, careful, but routine diligence by the crew. So, before the big trials, there's the smaller sea trials. And that's what Jesus is doing in Mark chapter 13. And that's what we do in Lent. It's part of what we do in Lent. We are preparing for things that might be harder. We're asking the Lord to search us, to know us, to examine us. Now, I want to add a parenthesis that's really important. So, um, as I was working on this sermon, I talked to various people about it, which I love to do. Just, hey, I'm preaching on this. I'm thinking about saying this. What do you think? And so, so I asked people questions. Uh, one of the questions that came up is like, how do you know if God is testing you? And is God always testing you? Because, you know, like, if you get a flat tire, is that a test from God? If you get the flu or you lose your job or your kids have a horrible day, is that a test? What do you tell someone that lives in grinding poverty and unrelenting violence or the victim of racism? Cheer up. God is testing you. It's going to get better. He's God always testing us. So 
I reached out to my friend, Deacon John Clark, theologian John, and said, I asked him this question, and he said, I love his, his answer was a question. He said, he laughed, and he said, yeah, wouldn't it be onerous, was the word he used. Wouldn't it be onerous? Such a good word, by the way. Wouldn't it be onerous if you were in a marriage, or you had a friend, where they're just always testing you, unrelenting tests, one after another. That's all they ever do, is test you. Like, hey, make some pizza. Mmm, crust was a little soggy. Um, wash the dishes. Oh, you missed a spot. Failed the test. Would you feel loved and cherished if that was all the time? Probably not. In the Bible, there are lots of reasons why bad things happened. And sometimes multi things have multi-causes. It's more complicated than that. For instance, it says that Abraham was tested by God, but unless I miss something, it doesn't say that Joseph was tested, you know? I mean, he was, but that's not the primary emphasis of that story. His brothers threw him into a pit. Somebody falsely accused him. Sometimes bad people do bad things. Sometimes you've got a flat tire because God is testing you. Sometimes it's because you left that nail in the driveway. And it's your fault, you know? So what is it, and how do we know? Well, I'm sorry, but here's the best answer I can give you. It's what my auto mechanic on Long Island always used to say. When I asked him how long was it take, take to get the parts, he would say, only God knows, and he's not telling me, you know? So sometimes you don't know. But here's the thing. You respond the same way, basically, right? Whether it's a test or not, my response, I want my response to be, Lord, I'm, I'm open. I'm open. You are a good, good heavenly Father. And I'm not sure what this is. Maybe I need to talk to a friend. Maybe I need to pray with some friends. Maybe I need to get some discernment. But whatever it is, you are good. And I may lament what's happening to me, but I also want to receive the good that you have in this situation. End of parentheses without a smooth transition to the next point, okay? So here's this strange thing in Lent. We set aside 40 days, and it's a season with extra boldness. We tell the Lord, Lord, test me, try me, evaluate me. I'm going to press into some spiritual disciplines that maybe have gotten weak or lazy. I'm going to try some new things. They might stretch me. Now, don't break yourself, but stretch yourself. Give yourself some tests. You know, you don't want to get to the end of Lent and go, that was easy. I coasted the whole way, and nobody knows it. Good for me. No, bad for you. That's not good. On the other hand, you don't want to go, that was horrible. It's an awful Lent. I just, like, almost killed myself. Like, you want to have some discernment, okay? But you also want to challenge yourself. So here's what happens as we go through tests. Things that are just, I think they're just biblically true, but also psychologically true. They're just true life wisdom. You're less afraid of tests when they come. You're less shocked. You're less resentful. You're more accepting. You have an increased resiliency. There's an expansiveness in your soul. 
You can tolerate more imperfection, more, um, more suffering, more um, inconvenience, more irritations from people. You have greater spiritual depth. No wonder the psalmist said, try me, Lord. Search me. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And there's one more thing I have to end on, and that is what we find in the midst of this test, these tests, whether it's tests or temptations, you know what we find? And that's why the church always begins with the temptation of Jesus. We find Jesus walking beside us in our tests. So Satan is completely wrong. He's completely a liar. You're not alone in this. So Jesus, the one who, let's say Jesus gives you a test. <clears throat> Here's the good news. He walks with you in that test. And it's even better. He has the answers to the tests. And he lets you look at him to cheat and get the answers. And it's even better than that. If you fall and you fail, even miserably, he picks you up again. And he lets you take the test again, which is cheating on a colossal scale. But if he's the teacher and he makes the rules, I guess it's okay. And why does he do that? Because he wants us to pass. As Satan wants us to fail, the Lord wants us to pass. So in the midst of your tests or temptations today, tomorrow, this week, this month, this year, in the struggle of it, in the challenge of it, in the shame of it, in the failure of it, in the loneliness of it, remember this. We do not have a Savior who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. We have a Savior who can sympathize with our weaknesses. What a Redeemer and friend. And people of God, we're not even to the resurrection yet, right? I mean, this is just with Jesus in the desert, and we get all of this good news. Imagine what happens through the cross and resurrection. What a redeemer and friend. How can you not love a God like that? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.